Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. The Magic on Tuesday night have a chance to strike gold again in the 2023 NBA Draft Lottery with potentially two picks at stake here. Two years ago, we got a stud in Franz Wagner, and Jalen Suggs might end up being really, really good still. Last year, we landed the number one pick. We took Paolo Bancaro. I'd say that looks like the right decision by far so far, don't you think? Now it's the Victor Wimbanyama draft. The Magic could see their six best lottery odds land them in the top four. Number one is definitely in play. We got lucky in 92 and 93 where we went back-to-back, number one picks, and it could very well play out like that again. In 1993, the Magic had 1.52% chance at jumping up to the number one pick, and it happened. This time around, it's 9%. 9% compared to 1.52% gets you pretty hopeful, right? Look, ideally, the Magic, you know, they jump into the top four. If it's the number one pick, everything just changes immediately. But you want to get out of this draft with hopefully a top four pick and then that Bulls pick at number 11. And you've had yourself a pretty good night going into all the draft preparations and the drafting itself. This is a massive offseason because the Magic might not be back in the draft lottery for a while if we do things correctly. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jab. Point guard on a 7-6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! With four and one shot. Here's Kirk for the win. All right, we are recording this Sunday night, May 14th. Happy Mother's Day to those celebrating. We know in the NBA that it'll be the Celtics uh, versus Miami and the Nuggets versus the Lakers in the conference finals. But in Orlando, we're gearing up for Tuesday night's NBA draft lottery. Uh, We're not going to talk about roster, draft, free agency stuff. We're going to wait for the draft lottery results first because – Then we know what salaries those draft picks would be earning and factor that into salary cap scenarios. And honestly, Penny, if if we get the number one pick and it's Victor Wimbanyama in play or you trade for some superstar or potential superstar, like everything changes, right? A hundred percent. I'm trying not to let my head go there. Uh, The possibilities or I guess some 50-50 on it. Uh, in the hopes that that doesn't jinx it from not occurring. Yeah, I, you know what, man, I sacrificed myself last year by not going to the draft lottery party and we got the number one pick. I, if we don't get it or if like our draft lottery goes bad, just blame me at the draft lottery party. But uh, since we last potted, uh, a lot's happened in the last month and four days or whatever since the last pod. I got my Twitter account back shortly after the last episode dropped. Uh, for better or worse, I don't, I don't know. Uh, now, I mean, it's 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 still good getting all the live news and getting all the weird Twitter reactions or or a lot of just magic talk or just casual NBA fans trying to steal magic players with god awful trade request tweets. Um, 
but it's overall it's still good twitter is on a decline but it's it's still the best option right now as far as that goes um but yeah that was a pleasant surprise to get it back i i, I didn't i thought i was going to go like a good chunk of the summer uh, before getting it and i i i got it pretty quickly after the episode dropped so happy that happened uh not pleasant was i had covid for almost 3 weeks so uh funny enough i got covid around the time uh President Biden declared COVID no longer a health emergency in the U.S. And then I still had it when the World Health Organization declared the same thing in regards to COVID not being a a global, I guess, uh, pandemic any longer. So um, it's just interesting that after over three years, I finally get it, you know, and it's just it's not going to go away uh, because of how many people didn't get vaccinated and how many kind of variations of COVID exist and will continue to exist. Uh, but I am very glad to have been vaccinated and boosted because it would have gone a lot worse uh, had I not been. And then, you know, Paxlovid and Z-Pax helped me out uh, these past few weeks. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you any got any got any further comments, be it Twitter or, or COVID, Penny. I'm, I'm well. I'm glad you're uh, back on Twitter and glad you're back on the mend. I I don't know that I've officially had COVID. Um, I can't point to a positive test, so it's probably still lingering in in my future at some point. So yeah, uh, yeah. it's funny because I mean, we and I would we're, we're honestly thinking the same thing. Like maybe you know we got it and we just we get lucky as far as not showing any symptoms. But like I knew uh, pretty quickly once I felt ill that uh, this is different. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was not great for at least the first day, and then. I had the situation where I thought I got through it, but it's something that doctors and medical folks call the Paxlovid rebound, where it's like you get through Paxlovid and then after a few days, like you test negative even and you feel fine. But then like a few days later, uh, it's back kind of. And it's one of those where maybe it just never left and I just I just still had it and it just showed up again. So then my you know, the Z packs took care of it after that. But yeah. Um yeah. Happy, happy to be alive and and good. So I don't think I have any long COVID symptoms or anything, so I'm I'm glad for that because I know uh, a lot of people in the world uh, de- are dealing with long COVID, and uh, that's that's not fun. So, all right, um, like we haven't done a pod in a while, so if some of this sounds ancient to you, you know, it's it's always good to get our voices and opinions on stuff. I feel like um, <laughs> yeah, that's what we think. <laughs> yeah, you guys got, got to have a pretty big ego to do this, right? Um, all right, so the Magic player, you know, right after the season ended, like we we did our la- you know our last episode talked about the season that happened, but you know shortly after that pod, uh, you know the Magic players had their exit interviews. Nothing crazy really came out of those, other than like Jonathan Isaac saying he'll be ready for the start of next season. He's he seems to he was going to be a full go for basketball activities within a few weeks. So right now he should be practicing. He should be doing basketball activities right now. Um, if Isaac was still eligible, I'd want him playing at Summer League, but we we won't see him. I, I'm pretty damn certain on that. And then, you know, other than Isaac, like everyone is basically healthy going into the offseason, which is massive for guys like Jalen Suggs in particular. Um, and we just need to maintain that health now. And I don't know, Penny, did anything really stand out to you in those in- exit interviews? I know they were a while ago, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's some good stuff. There's some good nuggets in, the, in, in those typically. 
Yeah, I mean, I would just say for as buttoned up as the organization is, it's nice that they still actually do the exit interviews. You obviously see a lot of teams, uh, Knicks included, that just got bounced out of the playoffs where they choose not to make uh, any of the players or coaching staff available for, you know, end of season presser type stuff. So um, there, at least there's that transparency from the organization. Still, you get a couple of good sound bites from, from guys uh, on a good day. And to me, I think the biggest thing so far, you know, we're still in May here, summer just getting started, but a lot of the guys continuing to be in Orlando or at least, you know, bouncing back and forth. And uh, obviously we're, we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, individual skill work being done um, and being documented. So nice to see that along with summer plans and business obligations and F1 races and everything else that, you know, there, there's a documented commitment to taking the summer to improve. You're not working out if you don't put it on social media, right? right? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's look, we, we've a, a lot of how we're going to improve next season, no matter who's on the roster, you know, out of all the young guys that we have, it's, it's internal improvement. So, I mean, it's, it does, it's all these guys are working and, you know, hopefully a lot of folks are seeing a lot of those guys have been watching the playoffs because uh, literally anything can happen. It's been chaotic in that regard. All right, let's get into draft lottery stuff. So my favorite thing about the national media talking about the draft lottery and where they want to see Victor Wimbanyama go to at number one is that the Magic get brought up often as a franchise that has its shit together. And that hype for the lottery is has just is slowly going to grow, especially, you know, it's coming up Tuesday and now there's no basketball until Tuesday night after the draft lottery. So these next like 48 hours, it's really going to, ramp up and ESPN's already dropped this you know is already dropping episodes of this cool kind of Victor Wimbanyama series and I mean this this is a big hype thing he's he's the most hyped guy since LeBron draft wise like I, I don't know do you disagree with that I no question and you know it's great to see what the national media kind of talking about well which franchises that are you know realistically going to jump up to number one in the draft you know which franchises do they want to see you know women yama end up on and like us in the spurs especially if popovich is still around but like us in the spurs are 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 always seem to be deemed as good victor women yama destinations um it seems i i um are you planning on going with me to the uh, wall street watch party on tuesday penny I'm trying to decide if I'm going to bring the bad luck or not, but I feel like <laughs> I will take the blame. The you you have yeah. no bad luck in this situation. I, I take the blame. All right. Um, you know, I went two years ago at Harry Buffalo and that didn't go well, at least ping pong ball wise, you know, ended up being well because we drafted Franz Wagner and Jalen Suggs. There's still plenty, plenty, to, you know, of hope and there's a lot of talent and, if he he just needs to be healthy, this is like his first healthy off season now. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But um, you know, two years ago I was at Harry Buffalo. That ping pong ball wise, that didn't work. I purposely didn't go last year to change our luck around. It worked. Um, Harry Buffalo is now permanently closed, as are a lot of places downtown. Uh, as we're hitting kind of a commercial real estate crisis here uh, and nationally, I guess. And I have no clue what our uh, what what our what our downtown and local city leadership is thinking in regards to downtown as a whole and what they want it to look like. But um anyway, this watch party, 
on Tuesday, it's going to be at Wall Street, six-man shows, uh, teaming up with the Magic for it. There's, it seems like there's going to be hundreds of people there. So, like, if you know, it, it's cool to be with our uh, with our Magic brethren and fan and fellow fans. So, um, Wall Street has also continued to go downhill. Like the COVID kind of accelerated it a little bit. Like I think the last time Wall Street was really good was when DJ Augustine hit the game winner in in Toronto. Like that might have been. <laughs> like the last good shout for wall street. So maybe this, uh, this draft lottery party would be a kind of a little revival for, for wall street, but um, it should be fun. You know, there's, there's going to be a bunch of magic fans there. Um, if the lottery again, doesn't go well for us, just blame me for that. All right, let's talk lottery odds. Let's talk numbers. You know, I, I'm a finance undergrad, so I should, I should be enjoying this, even though I hate accounting, you know, I love numbers. So um all right, so the Magic go into this draft lottery with the six best odds and likely getting the Bulls pick, which has the 11th best lottery odds. You know, we get that Chicago pick if it doesn't jump into the top four. If it jumps into the top four, then we do this again next year where the Bulls pick will then be top three protected for the 2024 uh, draft lottery. And I'd rather get that Chicago pick now. Um 11th would be awesome considering how much the Bulls underachieved this season. I don't know, Penny, you got a preference. Would you want the Bulls pick now, or would you actually want to roll the dice on uh on if on the Bulls being terrible again next year? No, I feel like it's a bird in the hand situation. And now there's a lot of rumblings that Chicago's trying to remake the roster, um, basically playing around Zach Levine. So who knows what's gonna happen next year? Uh still a, a top three protected next year right so uh 11's not too shabby uh if that's where it ends up and i think you you just take that and run with it i still don't know how billy donovan has a job there that's that's my thing and he's the biggest reason why he never really unlocked vooch's uh talents because he's not very good with centers in general so um but yeah i mean yeah if they're thinking of letting Vucevic go and, and DeRozan go and building around Zach Levine's kind of brittle body that <laughs> that uh that might not go too well for them at least standing wise you know if they're trying to tank maybe maybe that's not a terrible way to go but um yeah I want that pick to be 11 so you know we've been in the lottery so much that it's disappointing how many errors I hear when others talk about the lottery so there's there's really good YouTube videos showing literally how NBA draft lotteries happen. Like literally when this draft lottery happens on Tuesday, I think by the next day, Wednesday, it's online. You can literally see the the, the drawing. And last year, Joel Glass was in the room. Uh, it was uh, uh, it was uh, Jamal Mosley on the dais. This year, it's pretty. It's I think Kobe Price from the Sentinel confirmed it's going to be the same thing. Joel Glass is going to be in the in the ping pong room. He's going to literally be the only guy from the Magic to know what the results are until Mark Tatum unveils the envelopes. And hopefully Jamal Mosley sees the Magic get the number one pick and he'll go apeshit. But um, yeah, don't don't ruin a good thing with that. So, But only the first four picks are selected via ping pong balls. There are 1,004 ball number combinations. And the Magic can end up, you know, one, two, three, four not five. Fifth is impossible. They could stay put at six or they could fall to seven, eight, or if we're horrendously unlucky, ninth. Um, Percentage-wise, 
the magic at six uh can jump into the top four uh i think it's like a 37.2 percent chance of dumping in the top four i could be wrong on that off the top of my head but you know they could they have a nine percent chance to jump up to the number one pick um we got the number one pick last year with 14% odds. So not terrible to still be at 9% considering how successful of a season we had in, in everyone's eyes. Uh, it's a 9.2% chance to jump up to second, 9.4% chance to jump up to third, and a 9.6% uh, 9 chance to jump up to fourth. So you got four separate chances there at almost – 10% each drawing that the right ping pong ball combinations come up for us to, to jump into the top four. So for those teams that don't get into the top four, the rest just kind of fall in order. You know, that's why fifth is impossible for the magic to be in this year uh, at their sixth position right now. Um, typically in this, in this draft format, which has existed since 2019. So it's still kind of early years for this draft format, but you know, 2019 was kind of the most chaotic year, but um you know, at sixth, we only have an 8.6% chance at, at staying at sixth. Um, so we're slightly more likely to jump to one, two, three, or four than to stay put at six. Uh, but then it's a 29.7% chance to stay to drop down one spot to seventh, which is a little scary and often why sixth usually drops to, to seventh. Um, you know, in since 29 since this format started in 2019, this the sixth pick has never moved up. Six best odds in the lottery have never moved up into the top four. So you could say universally that maybe the you know the magic are due. Maybe the the six best odds are due to jump into the top four. But we'll see. Odds uh, odds don't care for past history. But uh, there's a twenty point six percent chance at the eighth pick. Uh, so again, a little scary. Um, a three point seven percent chance to drop all the way from six down to ninth, and then. <laughs> A 0.2% chance, actually. So I didn't mention 10th because I feel like it's impossible, but it's not. It's a 0.2% chance to, to fall to, to 10th. You know, if we end up 8th, 9th, or 10th, a lot of chaos has occurred. And we're going to see some crazy, like, 2019-type results where, like, Memphis went from 8th to 2nd, and New Orleans went from 7th to 1st to take Zion. So, um you know, the other thing I think helps our ability to jump up from six to first is the tiebreaker situation behind us between Indiana and the Wizards that is going on at the seventh and eighth spots. Um, you know, instead of 7.5% chance at the number one pick, the Pacers, who have the seventh best odds, only have a 6.8% chance. So that's a noticeable drop, you know, 0.7%. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it's pretty noticeable. And yeah, the Wizards and Eights go from a 6% chance up to a 6.7% chance odds of jumping up to the number one pick. But, you know, since this current lottery format began in 2019, seventh has always moved up into the top four. So hopefully this year it finally breaks that trend. Um, I feel like seventh is due to not move up. So um, I don't know, Penny, you want to make any predictions for where this uh, magic pick ends up? You want to talk about these odds at all? Like I said, yeah. you're kind of pretty nervous or, or you, you don't want to be too hopeful. But I will throw I threw this out in the intro and I'm going to say this again here. You know, the magic have one number one draft picks uh, before. And it was uh, in 1992 for the Shaq draft. We had a 15.15% chance at the number one pick and we got it. And then. The year later in 93, 
we had what one in 66 chance of 1.52% chance for moving from the last spot in the lottery. Thank you, Indiana Pacers up to number one. And it happened. We, we ended up uh, bumping up to number one. So to go from 1.52% chance in 93, obviously completely different lottery system and, and, and everything, but, to go from 1.52% chance to move up to number, number one to be 9% now here in this six spot, six best odds, that gives me more hope than it probably should give me. But I yield the floor to you. Uh, first of all, I think that historically the Magic have been looked down upon for having their success come through miraculous draft lottery uh, wins. But the fact of the matter is that 99% of teams are, you know, you're, you're built through the draft and you have to get lucky, first of all, to win the lottery and then to win it in the right year where, where you're going to end up with LeBron James or Andrew Bogan. Um, so this is one of the years where the, the prize is a worthy prize. Um, and, and to add, you know, either one of the projected top two guys is probably a marked difference compared to six, seven, eight, uh, and, and a significant difference more so than in other years. So to like, uh, to conceive of adding that kind of talent to what's in place would, would make the average magic fan giddy. I'm afraid to go there. <laughs> um, I, I will say to me, I think the biggest the biggest thing outside of landing number one is for the Bulls pick to convey. So yeah. as you're watching the beginning of the lottery unfold, you want to see 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. Oh, no, 15. Uh, it's 14. Oh, yeah. yeah. 14 go as as planned or as uh, as it should and see the logos line up there. From there, it's house money. Um, if I had to guess, I, I'd say that we'll end up 7 and 11. Um, but you know, anything can happen in the hopper. Yeah. I mean, odds wise, those are literally the most favorable odds positions of our pick falling one spot to seventh. And then I, I'd like for you to, uh, put something on the record as to where you think we'll end up. But, but to start with, do you think the bulls pick will, will convey and will it convey at eleven? I do think it will convey at 11. Let's talk about the odds real quick with that Bulls pick. So, uh, and hopefully the NBC Chicago folks will will know <laughs> the rules this time around. But um, the Bulls at 11, keep the pick if it jumps into the top four. If it lands 11, 12, 13, or 14th, it's ours. Um, if it lands 12, 13th, or 14th, that means some chaos is already happening with the lottery. We literally want to see, as you said, we want to see that bulls pick land at 11 because that means no chaos has happened yet in the lottery um for the bulls to jump up to first it's a 1.8 percent chance for them to jump up to number one 1.8 percent second two percent chance third 2.2 percent chance and then a 2.5 percent chance at the fourth pick um and then so i think it's what is it like an uh, I, I didn't do that math quick enough. It's like eight percent chance, eight, eight point something percent chance that they move up into the top four. So, not great for them. Um, it's a seventy-seven point six percent chance that they stay put at eleven. Which, I mean, you know, that's over three fourths right there. So that's 
That's why, it, you know, the only time that 11 or lower has moved up was when the Lakers had the 11th pick in 2019 and moved up to fourth. That's the only time picks 11, 12, 13, or 14 have ever moved up was the Lakers at 11 in 2019. So it's possible. It's happened. But um, hopefully it doesn't happen this time. And then it's a 13.5% chance that the Bulls pick drops from 11th to 12th. A 0.4% chance that that Bulls pick ends up 13th. Again, chaos situation. And then just a hair above 0% for the Bulls to end up 14th. That's like the apocalyptic scenario where all hell is broken loose and people are probably going to be, like franchises are going to be like vetoing stuff if they can. Um, so as the lottery unfolds Tuesday night, again, best case scenario, Chicago comes up at 11th. They come up at 11. Then it's chalk and nothing chaotic has happened yet as Mark Tatum goes through uh the order. So um, the last three years, one of the three worst teams at 14% has gotten the number one pick last year. We got Palo at 14% odds. Um, Maybe again, we'll see some chaos like in 2019, where again, the Pelicans jumped from seventh to first Memphis went from eight to second. I'm just asking for six to move up. I ain't asking for that much, you know? So um, again, hopefully Chicago doesn't pull a 2019 Lakers. in the old defunct lottery formats, you know, we got the number one pick in 2004 with the best odds of 25% because we were the worst team in the league that year. And you and I saw way too many of those games, or at least I saw way too many of those games in, in 03, 04. But, um, you know, as you mentioned before, as far as like Wimbenyama is like the definitive prize in this draft, whereas like in 04, no one knew. Like at the time of the lottery, it was still more Omeka Okafor than Dwight Howard. That's the thing. So, um, there was no definitive prize for that one. Uh, you know, 92 was definitive with Shaq. 93 was de- pretty definitive with Chris Weber, even though we ended up doing the huge trade with the Warriors and it worked out that we got we got Penny. Now we kind of squandered those draft picks other than Mike Miller in 2000, but um, it was still a hell of a trade at the time. And then, you know, last year, Paolo Bancaro was not the favorite as the number one pick. He was maybe listed as third at the time, I think, as of the draft lottery. So, you know, this this time, if the Magic end up with the – whoever ends up with the number one pick might cry tears of joy. Like, they'll be so happy. Like, let, let's be honest here. Like, they should do like they did in 92. <laughs> yeah, have every the jersey team ready. literally had the Shaquille O'Neal jersey. Every single yeah. team on that dais in 92 had a Shaquille O'Neal jersey tucked under the podi- their po- each of their podiums. And Pat Williams got to show off his O'Neal jersey with the number one on it at the time. I want to see everyone with a Wimbenyama jersey at, at, at on the dais with those hidden under their podiums. Um, so uh, are the Magic going to get to show off their Wimbenyama? Where, where are we picking? Where are we going to pick? I, I think we end up with number one. I just feel it in my bones. Right. And, <laughs> and watch, we're probably going to end up, you know, we're gonna probably going to end up dropping like eighth, but... I all right. You're on I, the record. I am on the record. I think the Magic end up with the number one pick. And you're gonna get caned at the watch party. That's fine. I can take it. I, I can take it. Um, plus, there's a lot of Magic trolls that probably could use a few punches in the face anyway, right? So, um, which we'll talk about Magic trolls and bad Magic fans soon here later. But, um, yeah, it's I, I I'm on the record that I just I feel that the Magic are gonna end up with the number one pick. So. Can I, um, can I say, I believe that you are planning to go to the draft party, not just because you're a man who uh, likes a good time, but also because you are leaning heavily into the fact that the sixth pick has never moved up and you're playing the historical odds that 
the sixth pick is due to move up. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, I've been doing this my whole life with the Florida lottery, right? I've been playing like <laughs> the same numbers since I was in college. So, or, you know, they're just about basically. So there you go. Um, I, yeah, the six, the six pick has never moved up and there's his, is there, there's, there's 30 year history nostalgia involved with this where it went back to back number one picks in 92, 93. We could do the same thing back to back picks in 22 and 23. Like there's some historic nostalgia with this. So, um, you know, we, the magic, that 1.52% jump is still the craziest jump in NBA lottery history odds wise jump in from uh the last lottery spot one in 66 chance uh to you know on a 1.5 to two percent chance to and then we moved up to number one 93 like it, it was i think the next closest was uh the Cavs in one of those drafts i think they were at 1.70 so we we've got them beat on that but we got nine percent here man like i it's that looks pretty great to me right now so yeah um, let's do it all right Enough of the lotteries. Well, you got any final lottery stuff? I, I I'm just gonna cross my fingers and hope that we don't we don't get escorted out of the party. Just point the finger at me. Just blame me. Just be like this guy. This this is the man you want. Take him. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's talk G League stuff real quick. So, uh, the Magic's G League affiliate is moving from Lakeland to Kissimmee. They are now the Osceola Magic. Commute wise. It's it's a big upgrade because you you know be, commute wise be it from Amway Center to to Kissimmee be it from the, the um the Orlando National Airport to Kissimmee be it from the Orlando area altogether to Kissimmee it's a big upgrade than having to drive down I four to Lakeland um you don't have to drive through Disney if you're coming f- if you're coming from the Orlando area um you know the Lakeland Magic were practicing at Amway Center a bunch last season so this helps the teams commute as well. And my understanding is it all came down to just negotiations where Lakeland wanted the team longer than what the Magic were willing to offer years-wise. So here we are. Kissimmee got the team. Um, I don't know. You've been to the Silver Spurs arena. Uh, I have not. But, uh, well, two things. One, do you still like Osceola Magic? I'm fine with it. But it's just always weird when you have the Orlando Magic and then the Osceola Magic are are named after the the parent club. But then... um, what do we think of the Silver Spurs Arena, which I haven't been to, but some people yeah. seem to like it. So, so I don't know. I, I would say I name is fine. Um, you know, it's not going to win any uh, creative awards, but it is what it is. Lakeland Magic was fine. Osceola Magic, fine. Uh, I don't think either one of us made it to RP Funding Center in Lakeland to catch a game, sadly. No. Which um, the drive was not appealing, let's be right. honest. So I, I would say I'd be more apt to go to Osceola. Uh, I have experience in Silver Spurs Arena from like, you know, AAU basketball tournament stuff, which is obviously a ton a of courts. Ago. Yeah, but a ton of courts put in there as opposed to one full-size court. I will say from my experience that it's a little dumpy. Um, and I, you know, I would hope they've updated guy, it. I would hope uh, they've updated it though. And they, they, um, I think supposedly the magic are, are yeah. going to put a little money into it, I think. But, but there's uh, a, from my recollection, there's a, there's a lingering rodeo scent that is hard to, uh, get out. So, um, it'll be interesting. I, I imagine that we will, uh, catch one or two games this season, um, with them being a little closer. And to your point, 
I think uh, like cost cutting just in terms of travel and transportation and cost of gasoline for the, you know, charter bus and everything like it, it probably makes fiscal sense for the magic to be closer. Um, and then you open the door up for, you know, easier up and down um, roster expansion, another two way guy like you're going to be able to get a lot more accomplished um, when you cut that distance. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into Paolo Bancaro talk. So Paolo, he won East Rookie of the Month for March and April. Like that literally happened, I think, a day or two after our last pod. It was the fourth consecutive time he had won he had won a, a monthly rookie award. Paolo and Shaq are the only Magic men to have ever done that, won four consecutive uh, Rookie of the Month awards for the Magic. Um, then on Tuesday, April the 25th, Paolo officially won Rookie of the Year. He got 98 of the possible 100 first place votes. We know we knew immediately who one of them was that didn't vote for Paolo. Uh, at the time, we didn't know who the other one was. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But um, a lot of talkers, be it on podcasts or be it even on, on Twitter a little bit, um, chickened out from what they were going to do. I thought there was going to be a lot more people that voted uh, either Jalen Williams or Walker Kessler and Paolo might as well have been unanimous. He wasn't unanimous. I think Shaq, even on the on the TNT kind of award announcement, said that he also had gotten 98 of 100 uh, first place votes. Um, I don't know, Penny. What do you think of the vote of, of the voting? Um, I'm surprised that he got he got 98 out of 100. I thought he was, it was he was going to be down to like 75. Yeah, I mean, look, he obviously he, he was the runaway rookie of the year. Yes, um, that's not I, home bias. That's and, that's the real thing. <laughs> To me personally, and, you know, maybe to Paolo, he'll take it as a slight and, you know, make it a chip on a shoulder type thing. But it makes no difference to me whether it's unanimous or not. And, you know, obviously we'll talk about who didn't vote for Paolo, number one, outside of what we already knew. But it wasn't going to be a situation to me where, the you know, Andy Larson's going to live in infamy like the late fred hickman for for not making Shaq a unanimous mvp all the you know all those yeah. years ago so uh i i was i guess i was a little surprised that there were only two that didn't i thought there might be a few more that went uh walker kessler or something but i don't know he he was the rookie of the year uh by and you know head and shoulders above the rest and he won the award and to me i thought that was fine yep all right, Paolo is the third Magic player to ever win Rookie of the Year. Shaq won in 93. Mike Miller did in 2001. Paolo, Shaq, and uh, Paolo's agent, Mike Miller, all met up together in Miami where uh, Bancaro ha had been working out. Um, they were at a Sports Illustrated Formula One party down in Miami. Paolo got to have his Miami Grand Prix reunion with former uh, race car driver and current Sky Sports uh, circuit interviewer, Barton Brundle. Which that was cool. Um, <laughs> you know, it Martin Brundle doesn't do like planned interviews on the on the circuit, and that was actually a planned interview because he's he Brundle and I'm a big F1 fan, but uh, Brundle's in his best element when he's just chasing people down, like the either the pit lane or down the uh, the start finish line. But um, yeah, they uh, they did miss out on a chance to interview Paolo and Patrick Mahomes, who was there together. I'm surprised they didn't do that. Um, maybe Mahomes just said, no, I'm way more famous or some bullshit like that. But uh, maybe in year three when Paolo's in like an all-star game and maybe makes an all-NBA team. Who knows? But um, 
Uh, I have not been to the Miami Grand Prix yet. Uh, you know, maybe ticket prices will be uh, appealing next year, and hopefully, it's not on. It won't be on Mother's Day weekend like it was the first year. Uh, but uh, what's your F one interest level or knowledge, Penny? I got. You're, I think I got an idea. But yeah, you um, you know it's limited. I haven't even uh, had a chance to check out the Netflix series yet. To you know, that seems to be the springboard for everybody to get into F one. Yeah, definitely watch uh, Drive to Survive. It is it is awesome. Um, the race being at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens is a big fail for that event. It was uh, if it was actually in Miami, like near South Beach, near the actual water, uh, they could actually justify it as an American Monaco. But uh, which I I've only been one F one race, and it was a huge one in Monaco. I did that in twenty uh, in summer twenty nineteen. So or yeah, in in late May twenty nineteen, whatever that was. Uh, that was amazing. I can't wait to do like other ones. I just, I still want to go to Austin, which is expensive. Miami again, hopefully next year will be cheaper. Uh, Montreal would be cool. Vegas is we'll oh, forget about it. So probably cheaper to go to Europe than Vegas. But um, I do think F1, at least from a U.S. viewer perspective, it's it's in a bit of trouble with Red Bull. They just keep dominating of late, and it's getting kind of boring, and it's just going to turn off casual viewers. Um, but. It is funny that Miami is technically the fourth worst uh, circuit on the North American stage between uh, a bind uh, Montreal, Austin, and uh, and Vegas. So that's pretty funny. Oh, and I'm oh, it actually be fifth because I'm forgetting Mexico. So yeah. Um. All right. Anyway, enough F1 stuff. I'll you know if you're not an F1 fan, you know you are missing out. It it is still fun. Um. But I really did like with Paolo him pushing the playoffs or bus model already when he did yeah. that, uh, that presser at the Advent health training center to officially accept that rookie of the year award in front of Ferran's family and other, uh, team members. You had David Steele, Jeff Weltman, uh, you know, Jamal Mosley were on the stage saying playoffs now is just kind of an extra bit of motivation for everyone because Paolo sets the expectations more than anyone on this franchise now at the moment. Unless for some reason we draft Wembenyama, and even then, like Paolo still has a huge say at the moment, and um, for him to say playoffs are bust, like I, I believe it, and for for Jeff Weltman to not really kind of go against that, um, that gives me a little bit of hope in the off season for uh, for improvements. Um, so. Uh, bring bring but yeah i mean from a playoff perspective i mean that's big because look may on may 10th 2020 the magic swept the hawks it you know it was the last time the magic had won a playoff series you know we're currently in the longest drought in franchise history of not having won a playoff series we were there in atlanta for that game four in 2010 um lots of brooms were there in atlanta and this fan base um Twitter trolls not included, but this fan base, like this actual magic fan base is just dying to be playoff relevant. And, you know, at that practice center presser, like I, I liked how Weltman said that Paolo didn't chase the rookie of the year award, like the award found him. And I think that's true. Like he was trying to win and wasn't putting up empty numbers, although he put up some amazing numbers, averaging exactly 20 points per game, 6.9 rebounds, 3.7 assists per game. You know, just under 34 minutes for contest. Like he, he, he did some amazing stuff. You know, he's he was uh, the 11th player in Magic franchise history to be named to the All Rookie First Team, and um, this this kid's good, man. And he's a big reason why our ceiling just just rose a ton. Um, any other final, uh, I guess, Palo thoughts real before real quick before we switch to 
talking about toxic fans briefly. I well, I would just say on the whole, I, I think you'd have to give him like a A minus to an A on his rookie campaign, which is certainly exceeding expectations. And we see with the playoffs this go round that um, you know, if you set out to to get yourself in the dance, anything can happen, especially now, uh, where it takes one team getting hot with the shooting for, you know, a couple of weeks or one mistimed injury. And you could, hell, you could see your way all the way to the, you know, Eastern conference finals next or the NBA finals. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, let's do it. Yeah. And we know Paolo has been watching these playoffs because he's, uh, he's tweeting a little bit about, uh, about it. And um, yeah, he's, he wants to be on on that stage and uh, it's going to take injury. I think for, for him to not make it sooner rather than later. So um all right, let's talk toxic fans because this was really uh, this is still bothering me weeks later. But I am really disgusted at some supposed Magic fans on Twitter for going at Andy Larson, who I don't know, never met him. I think he did. The, he joined the Salt Lake Tribune like after I had like retired from blogging or and covering the team or whatever. So, um, but I'm just disgusted at just this at some of these supposed fans on Twitter for going at Andy, Andy Larson for voting for Walker Kessler as rookie of the year and picking Paolo Bencaro third. Like he's wrong to have done that. It like criticism is one thing though, but you know, Andy was wrong here. But there's just some vile tweets out there that would get your ass knocked out in person if you spouted them in somebody's face. And that's just not acceptable for for what was going on. Again, Andy is wrong for picking Paolo third on his ballot. Like that's some BS. Like I know, I know there's some very heavily analytic and analytical folks. Andy admitted to being one of them, but even if you look at some of the other votes that he had on his ballot, like there's some hypocrisy with it. So, um, but this isn't like a Dave McMenamin voting Austin Reeves over Franz Wagner, uh, all rookie first team situation. Like, and that, that wasn't this year, Austin Reeves. That was rookie year. Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Much worse for Austin Reeves than Franz Wagner. That was, un- that was, that was really bad, but, um, and it doesn't matter again, cause Powell won the award. Like it's, who cares if it wasn't unanimous? Like he, he, he might as well have been unanimous. Um, and look, you know why we didn't know who the other voter was that didn't vote Ben Carroll because of all the abuse sent towards Andy Larson. Like, why would anyone volunteer for them being like, Hey, I was another person that didn't vote for Paolo Ben Caro. like come and hate me. But, um, now that all the awards are all out, um, we've seen all the ballots and we know that it was ESPN's Kevin Pelton, who is maybe the King of analytics or one of the Kings of analytics. He was the other voter who picked Walker Kessler, uh, first instead of Paolo Ben Caro for rookie of the year. Now I know he picked at least Paolo second, Jalen Williams he picked third in that regard, but still, like I I don't care for Kevin Pelton's heavy, heavy kind of analytical views. And I'm but I and I'm so I'm not surprised he voted Kessler because those that are like purely analytics folks, like there, there's there's the argument for Kessler in that regard. Um I thought Kessler should have finished second in rookie of the year voting. Um ended up being Jalen Williams, but um you know, Paolo should have been the runaway winner, and he was one way or another. But, um, look, you know, local, it's, it's yeah. interesting. I was just going to say, and we, you can go back in the archive of <laughs> God, why would you? But you could go through the archives of the Penny and Pops podcast years and years and years. And I think we've had this discussion, at least for me personally, that as time goes on, not, not just with, you know, 
life happening, but world experience and everything else. But to take sports, which is supposed to be uh, entertainment and enjoyable escape and something that, you know, a community can positively rally around and, and to take it a step further into a place that, you know, uh, fills yourself with some sort of hate or vile emotion outside of whatever fun fan tribal thing that sports is meant to invoke is just kind of crazy to me. And I, part of that is probably the fact that the magic have been, uh, you know, dancing around irrelevancy for a decade. Yeah. Um, but the other part of it is like, you know, there's there's important shit that exists in the world and sports and professional basketball is not at the top of that list. It never was and never will be. Um, and to take some of these things at, at face value is probably the healthier way to go. So it's always disappointing to see uh, people step over the line and have that get amplified. And to your point, uh, things that are okay online, you know, not just sports commentary, but every online presence that would not be uh, appropriate in the least in person um, is is crazy and certainly um, a bad look for, you know, you see it like with the Knicks getting eliminated and, and some of the, you know, Twitter stuff there where it paints a whole fan base. And that's certainly true across the board for for the Magic fan base as well. Yeah, look, in, in Andy Larson's case, like local beat guys don't make nearly enough money to deal with that level of shit posting from Twitter, folks. Um, you know, Kevin Pelton from a national perspective, like, you know, he you know, he's make he makes a ton more money. And it's, you know, that anyway, no one should be taking that type of abuse, whatever the money situation is. Like it I have it's been a while. We haven't seen a situation, at least with the magic though, where a vote's impacted like a guy's paycheck or a guy's bonus. So right. know, if that ever happened, then you know, maybe we're having a slightly different, more stern conversation. But again, not to a point where like we're like we're verbally just abusing the hell out of people you know but for this to be happening now like god help us if our team becomes good because we're gonna see more of these bad fans drag the rest of us down so i i honestly just promote folks like block mute report if you see abuse like that being sent around because that shit should not be tolerated and in a situation where elon musk is taking twitter down and twitter isn't doing that type of uh patrolling we as a fan base need to need to really oust that crap out of our fan base. So it just, that can't be tolerated. Like we, we gotta be better as a whole. So um, again, on the bright side, even though two guys didn't vote for him as rookie of the year, uh, Paolo was the only unanimous all rookie first teamer. So that's outstanding. You know, last, last year there were three, I believe unanimous all rookie first teamers. Franz wasn't one of them. He should have been, but he wasn't. Paolo is the only, Unanimous all-rookie first-teamer, though, uh, this year. All right. Um, I didn't think we were going to do this, and I didn't think we'd hear about him, but uh, we got to talk Gilbert Arenas here on uh, all right. on, Ryan Rosillo's, on Ryan Rosillo's uh, ringer pod, bad-mouthing Stan Van Gundy. So, you know, the Magic we traded Richard Lewis, Sweet Lou, for, uh, for Gilbert uh, back in December of 2010. Which really was officially, unofficially, the beginning of the end of that of that run and that era. I would argue it's still the summer of 20, 2009 when we traded Rafer and Courtney Lee away. But no. um, um, I'm in the minority of that because you disagree and JJ Reddick disagrees. And look, 2010 goes better if Matt Barnes isn't hurt. Um, I know he played 
but like he yeah. was he was hurt and that made a really big difference defensively when it came to that that Celtic series but um anyway so Gilbert played 49 games for the Magic in 2011 uh he was not good in our first round series exit to the Hawks we waived him in December of 2011 which was before the start of the season. That was still the summer, so yes. only one year, right? Yes, lockout. good call. That was the lockout uh, season. Yes, uh, he was 29 years old when uh, when we waived him, and it's just kind of a waste of talent. And it's kind of interesting because he had a gun thing going on with the locker in, in the Wizards locker room, and John Morant might be uh, ruining his career in Memphis at the moment with his gun stuff. But um, I already mentioned we as a franchise have not won a playoff series since 2010. So since we moved from the old arena into Amway Center, we have not won a playoff series. Um, you know, we were there for, for it. But, um, you know, we're entering the 2023-2024 season. This is our longest playoff series winning drought in franchise history. Um, I don't know. but Like, I don't want to go specifically over what Gilbert said about Stan. I just want you, – you know I'm a Stan Stan and unapologetic. We both are. We both are. The fact of the matter is that Gilbert was on one leg. Right. I mean, he, he I, I don't know if he thought he could be who he was. I'm sure he did, because you have to have that kind of ego to even get to where he got. But look, he was never a leader on any team. Was no. he the best player on some teams? Yes. Was he the highest scorer on some teams? Certainly. But to think that he was brought in to be uh, a locker room leader or to kind of pick up that mantle with uh Dwight and Jameer is laughable. And the fact that he uh, feels like, you know, he came in and tried to help give veteran guidance to guys who had more success than him uh, earlier, you know, way earlier in their career and more team success is crazy. Um, and again, like we talk about, it's really hard to have a positive locker room impact when you're shitting it up on the court too. Like, he he was he was on one leg. I'll give him that. He wasn't healthy. But go back and look at the numbers. They were abysmal. The playoff numbers were abysmal. The only positive about that Hawks series, where you know, to to your point again, we manhandled them the previous year. Uh, yeah. And you know, en route to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then uh, matchups change, players change, roster change, but. The only highlight of us getting uh, the door shut on us by the Hawks was the one career uh, dunk of J.J. Redick in the final game in Atlanta in garbage time. Oh, it was was, in that series, wasn't it? It was a terrible, terrible series. Um, And It's the Mike Bianchi bird brain series as well. He (laughs) needs to be dragged for that. Yeah. Yeah. But. No, there was nothing that Gilbert could offer on the court or off. Um. But, you know, good for him. We we got some pairs of shoes out of it, and he got a stretch provision out of it. So Yeah, look, the only reason why, I mean, it was another kind of Otis Smith panic trade. And Otis had a good stretch, and then it just went bad for him towards the end um, those last few years. But, like, it's we, – we traded for Gilbert because we kind of panicked, and we thought we had to trade Richard Lewis. Like, for some reason – well, not some reason. I mean, we saw he was wearing down. Like those years of him playing power forward and banging constantly with guys like, say, Kevin Garnett and whatnot. Like they took their toll on Richard. And in hindsight, we definitely shouldn't have done that trade. We probably should have rode it out with Richard. Um, 
But that's the main reason why that Gilbert trade happened. That well, that and I guess Gilbert was friends with Dwight from USA Basketball as well. So Dwight probably kind of vouched for that. And uh, and Otis had the relationship from Golden State. But we know. we made the first panic trade to get Turk back. Um, it would have been interesting to see at least for a couple of weeks or something uh, how Turk and Rashard back together. You know, to, everyone was in decline. It was what it was. But yeah, Arenas was the was the bomb, <laughs> the final uh, kind of last gasp. Do you still have your Gilbert shoes? Uh, I still have the Louis Vuitton pair somewhere, but they they're scuffed up. I'm not a good caretaker of. Uh, of, of things of import that actually get worn. Yeah, I haven't worn the uh his, I haven't worn those shoes. They're they're in a, a bin somewhere and my uh, hope was that he would get uh extend enough, his career yeah, in yeah. China, right? Like oh, and, yeah. then, and then it would be a good eBay sale, but the, he he screwed that up too. So, yeah. so you know. Yeah, he did. It's funny because I I remember because Stan when Stan did like the knuckleheads pod. Or maybe it was Gilbert doing a Knuckleheads pod with uh, with Q Rich as well. I guess talking to bring it up how like Gilbert was Gilbert was like, I'll play in the game, but I don't want to practice or something like that. And so Stan just didn't didn't let him play basically. Or, you know, so it's funny because during the lockout, Gilbert I think was working out a bit here in Orlando still, or maybe it was late during that season. I guess. Um, but when we would go downtown, like you remember seeing him in the Amway center practice gym practicing and it's because yep. he wouldn't practice with the team. He was practicing on his own. Um, so that was interesting in hindsight, but all right. Um, yeah, enough Gilbert stuff. Um, so what was your NBA finals prediction last episode? I, yeah, I'm still alive. I have Celtics over the nuggets. So, wow. Oh, by the skin of my teeth here. Hey man, I mean that's look, as long as it's not the Heat, I don't care. Like I'd rather not be the Lakers either, but I really just don't want to be the Heat. Like I need Boston to to curb stomp uh Miami in this Eastern Conference Finals. And then I ideally I want to see Denver beat the Lakers. Um and then from there, just whatever they can fight it out. Um, but I I do I do not want to see the Heat in the NBA finals. Like I just I can't like They've got three NBA titles, and it's like we, we I want us to catch up to them. So um, I'm, you're not a big LeBron fan, I think that's no well, surprise. No. You're not either. You're not I, either. Well, I think you, there's a respect there, and from a West perspective, I could make a case for for. But I don't think I, I'd like to see Jokic win a title. I feel like he's deserving. I think LeBron getting another one is a good storyline. I, I'm with you in the Miami Heat thing, and we were talking the other day about uh, LeBron's proficiency in the in the playoffs in terms of total games played and total games won, and the stat that basically the Heat have played more than twice as many playoff games as the Magic, Ugh. which doesn't sit right in my head. Like you just don't think that you know they're that far and away above the Magic, but obviously they had a couple of different good runs. Um, but in terms of expansion teams from 88 on magic solidly, I would say number two out of six teams that were added to the league. Right. I mean, it's, Ooh, I haven't done that exercise yet. Well, does Denver move up? Oh wait, no, Denver was an original one, right? So I, yeah, uh, Miami or, well, ABA and then Orlando, whatever. and then you got the two Canadian teams. I would still put, see, this is a Homer talking. 
but I would put the Magic franchise ahead of Toronto, even really? though they have a title. Uh, we, we have two finals appearances plus all of the other things that have happened. I'd put the franchise as a whole yeah, uh, above I, Toronto. So I uh, go Miami, yeah. Orlando, Toronto. Then I think you go uh, joint Grizzlies history, then Hornets, eh, then Timberwolves, then Hornets, right? I think I'd put the Hornets over the Timberwolves slightly, yeah. but it's 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 been a rough Michael Jordan right. era though. But um I put the man, Raptors over the Magic because yeah, of the they have the title. They have the title, man. All right. Like, All right. Well, they have the title. If it was a situation where it was like two one, Toronto had two and we had one, then I'd be I'd go with you on that. But like one they have a title, we don't. Okay. Man. All right. Like, Denver's about Denver could get their first NBA title and that vaults them up the franchise standings. Right. So, I mean, it's, you think about that stuff a little bit here and there, but yeah, I mean, Denver has ABA titles, right? They have to, right. I I, I haven't looked this up. They, they, Dan Issel played. I don't know. We should should call Jeff Weltman for that. He would know off the top (laughs) of his head, but, um, from his dad or whatever. So, but, um, yeah, look, it would be interesting to see if Aaron Gordon won a title. Like, if Denver wins the title with Aaron Gordon, like, they definitively won the trade with the Magic. Like, they already probably won the trade. The only thing that's kind of keeping it up in the air is we don't know what that 2025 draft pick's going to be. Um, but, I mean, for what we gave up in, in AG, and, I mean, it was he, he wanted to go, it was, I, it was time for him to go for us to properly tank. But, it, you know, we asked too much of him. He's he's finally I, I said this for like seven fucking years. He needed to be a, a Sean Marion guy where he could be like a 2010 guy or an 1812 guy. And he's kind of basically doing that now. Like he's he's their best defender. He is their third at worst, fourth scoring option on the floor. Like he he's playing the role he should be playing and he's amazing at it and he's figuring it out. And like yep. it helps that he's playing with a dominant guy like Jokic and Jamal Murray's amazing. But um, you know, as as great as the Chicago trade has turned out for the Magic, that Denver trade has not turned out well because we gave up on RJ Hampton. And you know, the only thing we got left is basically that 2025 pick. Like I know we got Gary Harris, but he could be gone in the offseason or by next trade deadline. And so, yeah, I mean. It would be interesting to see if Denver won the title. Like my NBA Finals prediction was, I had the Bucks over the Lakers, and this is the the craziness about the NBA. Like you have all these co- co- former Coach of the Year award winners in recent years, like Nurse and Budenholzer, are all out of a job now. And you know, I had the Bucks over the Lakers. Yanni missed two and a half games of that series, and that's why Miami won the series. Because even when Yanni came back, like. Him not being fully 100% had to play a factor in why they choked that, what is it, 16-point lead to lose that one game to Miami. And, you know, it's – I really fucking hate Miami, man. <laughs> but um, It's just funny that out of my Bucks over Lakers finals prediction that the Laker pick looks brilliant at the moment because right. I know – I'm pretty sure – I haven't looked at the betting odds, but you have your 2020 NBA bubble semifinals mat- matchups right now. Same thing. So if it plays out the same way, you're going to have the Lakers over the Heat and maybe finals. Yeah, but um, I just, Anthony Davis is playing really freaking well. And if his body can just hold it together, I I think they're going to find a way to beat Denver. Like it doesn't, 
matchup wise, it really doesn't make a ton of sense if you really look at them on paper. But like between like Austin Reeves being like Larry Bird in some instances for the Lakers, at least in the eyes, eyes of Laker fans, in the All eyes right. of Laker fans. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's that's how like he's way above Alex Caruso's cold status by Lakers fans at this point now. Like they'd be stupid to let him go. I don't care how much money he's being offered elsewhere. Like they have to re-sign Austin Reeves at this point. Um, but you know, LeBron, even though he's definitely playing hurt, like he's still good enough to really just change the factor of these games. And you know, as Davis is the alpha at the moment, and LeBron's fine with that. And I still think the Lakers right now are going to win the NBA title because I don't trust Joe Missoula for the Celtics. And then with well, also, and I think Jalen Brown really still wants to leave Boston, but you know, they're, they're figuring it out. You know, that that's what, you know, winning fixes a lot of things, a lot of issues that you have internally, I guess. But I have a very quick uh, yeah. question, Go. tangent question. <laughs> Go. Uh, obviously LeBron, the better player, who has had a better career and let's tack on two more years for LeBron and maybe another championship. Who's had a better career, Bill Russell or LeBron James? Bill Russell. I don't think because it's of the rings, because of the rings, because of all the, the, the racism he had to deal with. And then like, look, he still are. People still argue that Will Chamberlain was a better player than Bill Russell. And yet, Bill Russell denied Will Chamberlain of championships for all those years that he played and coached even. And Will was a better player and Bill had a better career than Will, Will Chamberlain, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. But, and I, I mean, look, I Bill Russell the is the ultimate winner. Bill, Ru- Bill like Russell, like LeBron, what, sorry, what was that? I, I would put LeBron's career over, over Bill Russell. I can't do that. I really no? can't. Well, because right. also the three point shot has helped his numbers. And has helped LeBron's numbers, and then well, he's able to be Bill full played time against four teams. I yeah, one of them had Will fucking Chamberlain on him, man. <laughs> but everyone else uh, had a dominant hand only and shot a two hand set shot. Look, and man, everyone else that played with Bill Russell was also uh, a Hall of Famer. Look, man, unlike some uh, some people nationally or whatever, like I appreciate like nostalgia and old movies. Like I watch Turner classic movies and stuff. Like I yeah. I appreciate like I appreciate what these older old generations have done. Be- and you and you can't compare too. the same. And you, I know you do, but I you know I all right. And again, maybe I, I, I just, just don't like it out there. Like, look, you and I were at the uh, what was it at the Fridays on I Drive when we were cheering for LeBron to beat the 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 Pistons in two thousand seven, whatever year it was. Like, yeah. Or maybe it was 06 or maybe it was 07. I can't remember now, but um, like that's the last time I, <laughs> I was really rooted for LeBron. Yeah. Like I don't care for the man as I mean, off the court, he's done some great stuff, but there's he I, I'm he's never going to be greater than Jordan in my eyes. He's not greater than Bill Russell. I, I don't think he's even greater than Tim Duncan. Oh, come on. I'm Here, putting my, Timmy over him. I'm putting Timmy over him. I'm sorry. I'm also going to, I'm waffling now, and this is not the point of the podcast, but <laughs> singularly, Michael Jordan, better than LeBron James, singularly. But LeBron James has now had a better career than Michael Jordan. Because he's, one, he start, he didn't, he never went to college, two. That's my, but that's part two, of, that, that's what makes a career. It's longevity but, but two, and production. Well, but two, he actually, like, he, 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 like, he didn't do any of, like, the, 
you know, he didn't smoke cigars. He didn't do like a bunch of gambling like Jordan if, did. Like he didn't live Michael, his life. If like Michael Jordan, didn't like, play baseball and you know tacked on more, like then the, it would be different. But I'm just saying, from Jordan's my undisputed. He's six and zero in NBA Finals, man. He's six and zero. Um, like it's undisputed. Well, and he gets credit for getting knocked out by the Pistons and not making it to the finals, where LeBron gets penalized for getting swept out of the finals by Tim Duncan. I don't know. I'm just saying. Look, all the right, East was right, shit for a lot of those years LeBron was in. Okay. Jordan story. actually all went right. through like a tough Eastern Conference, too. Okay. That's the other thing. So all right. I'm not giving I, LeBron me, that. I'm not giving it's LeBron interesting that credit. To, it's interesting to ponder. I think that the career on paper is different than uh choosing a player for one game, one series, one shot. Fair enough. I mean, look, he's had, look, I'm not going to say he hasn't had a hell of a career. He's had a hell of a career. Like he, he broke careers, uh, Kareem's point record, you know, like, but the guy like puts millions of dollars into his body and Jordan and the guys before him were in an age where they didn't do that. So I'm not going to negate Jordan or Russell or anyone in those eras, just because LeBron has technology on his side, just because he has a lot, uh, has a lot of money on his side. I mean, think yeah. about Jordan playing wise, salary wise, like he made $30 million each of his last two seasons before that it was significantly less than that. Right. So right. LeBron's made Christ knows how much more money as a player in that regard. So, all right. Um, so who do you think is going to win the, win, win the title here? I, I, <sighs> I'm going to go with my predictions still. I, I Celtics I over Nuggets. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel to me in my head now, I think either Western conference team will be favored over either Eastern conference team that makes it to the finals, but I I'm still alive in my bracket. So I'll, I'll roll there still. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think Missoula definitely handicaps Boston a lot, but you know, I, I hope they beat the the Heat. Like Eric Spolstra, Spolstra and Jimmy Butler are so fucking good. Like those two guys are doing so much for that franchise. It's insane. And then, but I'm, I still think the Lakers win the title. That's where I'm at. I think the Lakers win the title. They beat Denver, and I think they'll beat the the Celtics in the finals. And the NBA gets their ratings kind of thing that they want. So, all right, we're gonna do a final topic here, and it's actually got nothing to do with basketball. We're talking Major League Baseball because of Pat Williams and the Orlando Dreamers. Um, so I'm a Philadelphia Phillies fan. Spencer, yep. you're a Chicago Cubs fan. True. I would never switch allegiances, but this project makes sense, I think, from an Orlando perspective, from a lot of things. Um, just to be clear, like, you know, Pat Williams founder of the magic one of the founders of the magic was a was the gm for the magic he ran things for a while till he handed things off to john gabriel but he's always kind of been you know a senior executive for the magic and since 2019 since right before covid you know he came out with this orlando dreamers idea about bringing a, a mlb a, a major league baseball team to orlando now it's been made pretty clear especially recently there would not be three major league baseball teams in florida um you know, the Marlins suffer because of terrible ownership management and the fans really hated that stadium deal that they that they did, that people felt like they got screwed out, out of that, that lived down there. Um, and then the Rays, they're not in Tampa. They're in St. Petersburg. If you've ever been tried to drive in between St. Petersburg and Tampa during rush hour, it's not 
30 minutes. It's like over an hour sometimes, you know, it's, it, it can be a rough drive. Like sometimes it's actually faster to go from Tampa to, you know, to the theme parks here, you know, just South of Orlando. Like it's, it can vary sometimes traffic wise, but you know, there would not be a third major league baseball team in, in Florida, either the, the Rays, you know, shout out the Orlando Cubs and your Orlando Rays minor league play teams, but either the Tampa Bay Rays or the, uh, yeah, they would, um, they would either end up coming here to Orlando or the Rays leave the state in Florida entirely and go somewhere else. And that means then we would get one of the two expansion teams that would, uh, put major league baseball's league at, um, 32 teams. So, you know, dreamers I've used an open-ended name. I, I kind of view it as ignore the name. It's just the project name. Um, I'm sure there would be more public input on a team name. If that happens, juice tropics launch, they all sound good to me. I don't know. You got a preference on a team name, Penny, uh, not the dreamers. I, I think when it came out originally in 2019, it was like, this is a placeholder. And now that we're coming back around a few years later, now it's like, this is the name until there's a better one. Uh, there will end up being, there will end up being a better one. Yeah. Um, MLB is kind of having a moment this year because, you know, they've made changes that have made games more exciting. I feel like at least Philly games that I've seen so far this, this season, like they, they seem to be a bit more exciting. Like they, you know, game times are shorter. They've eliminated, eliminated shifts. Bases are bigger. So there's more like stealing and stuff going on. Obviously the pitch clock is the biggest thing. Um, I'm not one to ever doubt Pat Williams. Like he's 83 years old and he's still selling his ass off. And the 45,000 seat stadium renderings that were released are pretty cool. Like I'm, I'm not excited about it being across the street from SeaWorld. Like I'd rather it be in downtown Orlando, but I get from like a local politics perspective, how it's like, well, all these projects are in downtown Orlando. Let's give, you know, more of orange County instead of the city of Orlando something. So, and Look, there's a difference between 41 Magic home games and 81 MLB home games a year where you're playing the same team three, four nights in a row. Like you're you're not unless you're a retired super fan, you're not going to every single game. No. And to have that pool of of tourists and, and, you know, fans of other teams that are in the city at the time, like it, it makes sense to be there, I think, more so. Uh, than soccer or basketball where there's a limited number of, of home engagements comparatively. Yeah. I, you know, I was against it, but honestly, like it, it makes sense. Cause you, you have, you tap in more of the tourists. Maybe you can even do some type of deal with Disney or universal or whatever, like that, that it even brings more bodies your way because we know how Disney likes to keep people on Disney property. But I mean, Disney is a sponsor of the magic. So I don't see why maybe they, they couldn't play ball in, in this instance, if the dreamers were hey a thing. So, um, but if this stadium has both a Sunrail station and even some type of Orlando t- to Tampa bright line station nearby with it all being right next to the 528, then this can work, honestly, like it, it, it's, it, it's, it can definitely work. Um, am I excited about, $975 million in public tourist taxes over a 30 year period funding a $1.7 billion stadium, potentially not really like, but I understand you're trying to also entice a billionaire owner by not fitting them for the entire project bill. Um, not having a billionaire backer now is pretty much the biggest reason why MLB wouldn't give us a team at this point. Um, 
everything else is set up in our favor, though, I feel like. Um, now, it won't be the DeVos family that uh, will beat the billionaire family. They've already come out and said that. Um, but I'm sure other options will present themselves. Like, we'll apparently, according to Pat, we're going to know by the end of the summer how feasible any of this is, be it if a billionaire steps in, be it if MLB is like, all right, you're 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 kind of on the on the docket here to to be looked at so but the stadium renderings are great like it yes it looks like a used condom from above but uh inside you know it's a clear dome stadium and it actually looks pretty cool um you know i i saw the 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 monetary projections like it could bring 40 billion dollars into orlando over 30 years like even if it's like half of that like this project makes sense so we've got the Magic, UCF, Orlando City Soccer, and we got like minor league stuff like the Solar Bears and like the Guardians, and there's others, you know, smaller even minor league folk uh, teams. But Orlando's a growing market. Like we'll be just outside the top ten <clears throat> of TV markets in no time. Um, having another major league franchise is possible. Um, not that it matters, but Penny, would you prefer the Rays? Or an expansion franchise from scratch. Um, I feel like the Orlando well, right, Sun Rays would work even. Yeah, right now you'd want the Rays because they're what the best team in, in baseball. Don't forget Magic <laughs> yeah, Gaming. That is true. We have we have another professional team right in Orlando too. So oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, the the public private funding discourse is always interesting politically. It's a little bit different in Orlando because of the tourist tax money. You can't use it is, on other stuff, which is earmarked for, you know, enticing more tourism, basically. So there, there's a there's a pot of money there that, you know, among other things, basically is for refurbishing and, and building new public gathering spaces like arenas and stadiums and stuff. And what's interesting to me is, there, you know, we talked about like the Jaguars needing a, a potential home for a year or two as their stadium gets renovations done. Um, would it be cool to have a baseball team in Orlando? Yes. Do I think that they would consistently draw more than, you know, the Rays do right now? Yeah, probably. Yes. Are no, I, gonna, that's definitively. Yes. Are they going to sell out every single game or get 40,000 people uh, there every night? I, I, I'd be hard pressed to say so. So to me, I think it comes down to in that pot of money, do you commit to the baseball stadium? Do you commit to Amway Center upgrades? Do you commit to uh, Camping World Stadium upgrades? And, and the answer to me is whatever gives you the best chance of getting uh, higher profile uh, concert engagements that bypass Orlando to go to Tampa, like Taylor Swift, um, and then, you know, how many things can you do at the base? Can you get another uh, college football bowl game to be played at the new baseball stadium? You're not going to get a college football playoff game there like you might get at Camping World if you throw money at that stadium. Um, but I, I think it comes down to the economic ROI models here. Um, and then also, obviously, uh, some egotistical billionaire needs to come down and plant roots and want to go all in on the effort too so it's an uphill climb from that perspective but in terms of the actual funding um and the idea like the idea is cool and i'd be on board if it made sense for the city as opposed to the other options that are available at the time what, what, what's your overarching takeaway on baseball 
Um, look, baseball, you, you like baseball more than me. Um, but I, I, I like baseball. Um, there's a, <laughs> I like there's beer. A, there's a, there's like a, there's something about Mary line and in in, involved in that. Um, but, um, I'd go to a couple games. I don't think I would go I mean, all I, the I, time. Yeah. Like, I would go I, for, I don't I love definitely, baseball. I think I would go to the Phillies games at least when yeah. I ever did that, but no, I like, the stadium's pretty cool too, because it looks like you could have a good time there, even if like you weren't the most gigantic baseball fan in the world. And again, this should cater to the to, to tourists. Um, it's it it doesn't need to sell out. Uh, I think Pat Williams in the in the last present meeting presentation, whatever he shared, there's only a handful of teams that draw like three million fans a year, and so for us to be in that 3 million club. Like, I think we only would have to average like what 32, 33,000. I think it is, um, per game. And that's not outlandish, especially for one, a new stadium Two, like, this is a pretty big TV market. That's only growing. And I mean, people like coming here, like people like going to spring training games here. Like, I don't see why, you know, you wouldn't do the same thing in a domed air conditioned stadium that, that, that where the elements doesn't don't, sap you to death but um yeah look from a money perspective you know we talk about those kind of tourist tax dollars being up for grabs and like amway center is trying to get 250 million for renovations and i think i already saw that that video board outside near near the i4 is actually being upgraded now so there's some money already going into that um amway center i mean we talked about this in person a couple of days ago amway center is kind of a, a bland box uh for the most part like there's like an exciting corner on the outside and that's about it. And it's just, it's not as appealing. Like the magic didn't come through with their promise of making the rest of the area. Great. Now, now they might finally get to it, but this is going to be over a decade too late or a decade later with the entertainment complex that supposedly they're going to finally start this summer, but until they're actually doing it, you know, I'm considering Alex Barton's a huge fucking liar. So, um, but yeah, you got 250 million that Amway Center is trying to get for upgrades for a 12-year-old stadium. Um, you have the Citrus Bowl, I guess, trying to become Miami Gardens Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play, where they're trying to get 800 million dollars for a partial up, roof, for a partial roof, for updating suites, for updating the upper bowl. Like, like you said, they're trying to get it maybe up to par where you can get actual tourists in or are actually big time acts like Taylor Swift or maybe better bowl, bowl games for football and, and just more outdoorsy events like getting WrestleMania back again or whatever, stuff like that. So um, I think that might get more favor. I mean, it's possible that both that both that and the baseball stadium could get it. Like it's really possible. So, um, but I think the football one, the citrus bowl is in trouble already in my eyes. Though there's people on Twitter that oppose me on that, um, that worked for Florida Citrus Sports. So apologies to them. But the Citrus Bowl still is way behind. Um, and that needs a huge, like, face, a huge, huge facelift, if not just a teardown and rebuild, to be honest. But, um, you know, I think that baseball project, though, makes a ton of sense. And I, I, I wouldn't, I don't oppose it. Like, I think it would do well. And I think out of those, uh, you know, a, a, out of the stuff I mentioned, like I think the baseball stadium getting nine hundred seventy-five million potentially um, 
that's not as crazy as I maybe would have thought a month ago. So, all right, Penny, any final thoughts on stuff before we get out of here? Like we got the draft lottery coming up Tuesday. You think we're going to end up seven and 11? I, that's what I put down. I don't know what I think. We'll see what happens Tuesday. All right. Well, I'm at one and 11. So if, uh, if it all goes bad and we end up with like eight and no no bulls pick, like come at me, that's fine. So, um, any final thoughts? Well, let's get Wemby. Let's get Wemby, man. That'll do it for this episode. If you're still listening, we thank you very much for your time. Subscriptions, high ratings, Positive com, just cut positive comments as a whole. Like all that just helps this podcast ranking immensely. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. No C's, just S's. And I am at Papa Giorgio MBO because I do have my Twitter account back. Ooh. And with that, take care. Let's go magic.